Hello and welcome to this week's Youngin's podcast entitled The Erotic Dance of the Rolling Pin. All will be revealed over the course of the next 50 minutes, which we're spending in the company of Quicksilver, the duo comprising Grant Bainham, regular performer on Esther Ranson's That's Life in the 80s on BBC One, and a contributor on many programmes on BBC Radio 4, a brilliantly clever and funny songwriter and a dexterous guitar player, and Hilary Spencer from the vocal harmony trio Artisan with an incredible voice and an impressive vocal range. We had great fun with them on this podcast recorded from our singing weekend at Ironbridge in front of a live audience. We chat about post-gig traumas and there's a rather patriotic herbal tea of the week. But I think that'll do in terms of an introduction. There's no need for me to say anything more because they're more than capable of introducing themselves to you in their own unique, inimitable style. Quicksilver, take it away. May we introduce ourselves? I'm Hilary. I'm Grant. Which only leaves the matter of our second names extant. We're Bainham and Spencer. Together we dispense a kind of English entertainment all our own. Top of the bill, the name of Quicksilver. All the quickies, as we've now become colloquially known. We'll make you smile and tuck your feet. We'll make you laugh and cry. We'll make you buy our records. Oh, we'll have a damn good try. We're Bainham and Spencer. I'm Spencer. I'm Bainham. And do we entertain them? Yes, sirree. Hysterically. Reflectively. Quicksilver collectively. But Bainham and Spencer are we. Now briefly to remind you I am Grant And I am Hilary But having dealt with that nomenclatural answery We're Bainham and Spencer Who now and again surprise and shock With an apocalyptic rhyme Musical sidebar Ready and willing We'll sing for a shilling As we find ourselves explaining To the taxman all the time I suppose you'd call us mainstream Though avoiding the clichés And we're heterosexual Which is novel these days We're Bainham and Spencer Or Spencer and Bainham A plain and par we sure you will agree Charming and slick Collectively quick Silver Bainham and Spencer Or Spencer and Bainham I said Bainham and Spencer Oh, I'm in your own way Bainham and Spencer are we Hello Excellent. That's generally how you introduce yourselves to people. Oh, all the time. We're in the shop. We're in the shop in the the supermarket together. Hello. hello. Yeah, till number three, off you go. (laughs) Exactly. Self-service ruined all that, but never mind. So, uh... We oh, not. Now you get some unexpected items in Alpaca gear. <laughs> well, that's, save that for the book, uh, Grant. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if anybody recognises Grant from the television. <laughs> because uh, Mr Grant Benham has been on Esther Ranson. Or has been on... I don't know whether you have or not seen it for the book, Grant. Uh, <laughs> no, it's fine, but she moves far too quickly. <laughs> <laughs> You've been on Esther Ranson's That's Life. 
How well is it that long since Radio Rentals had your set back off you? Yes, that was <laughs> way back in the 1980s, from about 86 to 91. So what did it involve then? Apparently it involved something about you uh, having a bucket of water poured over you. Oh, that was that was a kind of running gag. I tried to give up smoking on television, and I don't recommend it to anybody. <laughs> and the idea was if anybody saw me smoking, they could um, pour a glass of water over me. And um, I went about six months. Ah. And then uh, somebody did catch me smoking, didn't pour a glass of water all over me, but shopped me to the teeth. <laughs> if you see what I mean. And so she decided to do the whole thing live on air with a bucket of water on a rope, of which I was unaware. <laughs> very funny television. Very, very, very <laughs> Not bloody funny at all. <laughs> Seems a little bit lacklustre. I'm going to give up smoking on the television. Yeah. yeah. So only when you're on the TV. You can smoke any other time. How did you get started, Grant, in terms of the... Was it songwriting for you? Was that your first avenue? Well, yeah, well, in, a, in at the deep end, I, went, I, I got sacked from my last proper job as a computer salesman, which I was terrible. And with the very small amount of redundancy money they gave me, I made a tape, which I took to BBC Radio WM, Radio Birmingham, as was a long time ago. I uh, thought you'd make a really good computer, and you'd have just knocked on someone's door, tried to sell a computer, but it would have taken you ten minutes before you'd done your introductory theme tune. Oh, I'm going to send you a computer. I was killed and shooted at the typing, and the, you know... Yeah, but at that time, computers filled whole buildings, you know. That's yeah. right, yeah. Exactly, so you could only do one, make one sale. By the time you dragged the computer there, dragged it, you know, go back to the office now. You're yeah. not very far from the truth. <laughs> 256k computer needed a full Granada estate to carry it about in those days. We all dug Gretzik wildly here, aren't we? Yes. That's the weird thing, though. You would, you would get a company and someone would say yes, and you said, but you need to get a new house first before you can actually have it. That's right. That's positive I know pressure. the right person. I just got the phone of my estate agent friend, and the whole thing is... Uh, yes, the whole thing is sorted. Positive yeah. pressure doors in every room. Now, that was, those were the days. Oh, so dear. we're at uh, Radio anyway, Birmingham. Well, Radio Birmingham. It was Malk Stent. Um, people remember Malcolm Stent? That's all good old brummy folk comedian. And uh, he used to run an excellent, best lunchtime radio show ever, in my humble opinion, called uh, Malcolm Stent in the Barmaid's Arms. They had an Atmos tape running of um, pub background. It sounded as if you were in a pub, basically, and Malcolm was leant up against the bar and Rosie's oppo was the barmaid. And it was just conversation and they'd pretend they were firing up a jukebox or whatever it was. But anyway, I took the tape to this album into Malcolm and just for a bit of zhuzh, just for a bit of fun, it was an August bank holiday, so I wrote a little song called The August Bank Holiday Bus and the uh, producer Oh, God, may, may, may his name be blessed. I can't remember it. So, <laughs> ooh, that was all right. Was that yours? I said, yeah, that was mine. He said, could you write us, say, one a week? And that was how it started. I got £14 a week for writing a funny song for BBC Radio WM. The 206 team, as it was called, on Friday, which was the live broadcast, always an OB, an outside broadcast from anywhere in Birmingham, from the Science Museum. I did these songs on the footplates of steam locomotives and on barges and the top decks of buses going round the outer circle. <laughs> that was good fun, a great way to make a living and a good way to learn how to write a comic song, which was it basically the stuff. pressure though of having to come up with something every week was that hard? It's uh, for pressure read discipline. I think that's yeah. the idea. If you know that you're going live in at, at one point, my proud boast was that I could knock one off in five hours from the phone. Call. What about the songs though? <laughs> <laughs> it is true that there were some very attractive presenters on BBC Radio. <laughs> 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 
Barmaid's Arms, literally. Rosie was a joy. Mm. Um, <laughs> but that was, the, that was the plan, that uh, I was a very fast songwriter. Mm. Now I'm a very slow songwriter. In those days, I'd dash them off in a moment, mm. sing them and uh, tuck them in the bottom drawer and forget about them, and, you know, usually quite deservedly. They're, they're not great songs, but um, point songs, almost live entertainment. So, uh, yeah, it went from there. I got picked up by um, Pick of the Week on Radio 4 twice. Thank you for asking. <laughs> from there to start the week with Richard Baker as it then was on Radio 4 on a Monday morning where I used to meet the most famous people in the world and ritually insult them over breakfast so I sat down and had my hand on Raquel Welch's knee before telling the world what a she was <laughs> so, whereas uh, now he's going to make it with Michael Hughes's name but Hillary is beside me Ah, uh, so I think we will we will continue this story and we'll we'll talk about how you two met and all this kind of thing. But I'm aware um, that there is something, something brewing, isn't there? Uh, I believe, Mr. Cooney. Yes, it cannot be ignored. Lest no. it be tainted. Indeed. Exactly. This is going to come uh, as, a, as, a, as a lovely treat for a lot of people because I know that uh, we have quite a few aficionados here of herbal teas. <laughs> yes. We obviously when we were doing this as just a, a hobby. When we used to enjoy this. Um, <laughs> we, was, uh, we would drink a lot of uh, beer on tour, various ales and that kind of thing. And we became rather distinguished in uh, various uh, ales. But the trouble is, if you're doing this um, full time, you can't really have a beer every single day. You've got to have one day off, one day on for a start. So um, we thought what we would do is uh, we, we'd need a sort of another vice that wasn't quite as vice-like and so we ended up going for herbal teas and it's amazing the different types of herbal teas that are out there um, so this led us to our feature on the podcast herbal tea of the week uh, it's a feature the podcast is probably released every what's it, three or four months and sometimes we don't do the feature herbal tea of the week on the podcast but it's still called herbal tea <laughs> of the week. herbal tea every once in a while doesn't sound quite as good as it now what I thought we would do, Grant and Hillary, is I'll send you a little bit of a challenge here. We have the Herbal Tea of the Week jingle, so I will sing a line to you, and you can accompany me with uh, voice and uh, guitar, and uh, we'll see how it goes, line at a time. We did this with the Wilsons, and it was an excellent disaster, but then again... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they still do beer. Well, that's the thing. They had like six pints of beer before the Herbal Tea, which... <laughs> So, um, have you got your guitar? I think you were in, uh, were in G, weren't we, for the last one? So is G a good one for you, uh, Grants? God's yes. own key. Yes. Excellent. OK, so um, feel free to add your own uh, little harmonies and musical accompaniments uh, to this as I play you the line on the accordion and the... Um, and the... and, the, and see, so here we go. <clears throat> Some folks like plenty, others like tea herbally. And then you would do your little bit there, you see. <laughs> <laughs> you take it all responsive. I take it back. The Wilsons were actually quite good. Uh, so I would do it, then you will repeat after me. I do that what you just do. You would do a little bit after me, and you would feel free to some harmonies and a little bit of a trickly uh, guitar playing there. Some folks like plain tea, others like tea herbally. Some folks like herbal tea, others like tea herbally. But this is the feature that reviews herbal tea verbally.
I don't know how you did it, but you guessed that Herbal Tea of the Week would be the last bit of the song. It's just, <laughs> that's experience for you there. There you go. So, we are now placing this Herbal Tea on the uh, table. And uh, Sean, would you like to uh, read out what today's Herbal Tea... Today's Herbal Tea today's of the Week, David, week. is... From Jekka's Herbs and the Canton Tea Company, yes. Organic Herbal British Foragers Blend. Ah, British... Mushroom tea! <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad it's British foragers. Why can't stand his, uh, these Polish foragers? These migrant foragers thinking they can do an achievement in <laughs> British foragers is what we want. And let's be honest, the British foragers are the best. They know how to forage, don't they? <laughs> Sometimes you've got to be careful where they're foraging. I mean, the best forager is Nigel Forage. <laughs> <laughs> So what is British? What is British foragers? We've been patriotic about this tea here. Would like me to read it? Oh, yes. The uh, top herb expert, Jekka McVicker. Oh, oh him. Yeah. Oh, I, I've yeah. never really. Uh, we love Jekka. Well, I've never really thought about his stuff, to be honest. Yeah. I've not really. Uh, <laughs> created this delicious organic blend of the flowers, leaves, nettles, and rose hips that grow wild in English hedgerows. Excellent. Oh. So it's just a cheap way of basically uh, making tea, isn't it? Just grab a few nettles, stick those in Sweepings. We've got some tasting notes, David. Perhaps Ooh. the guests could uh, say what they think and I can match it up to what the tasting notes suggest. <laughs> the tasting notes? Yeah, yeah. Describing right. the, like, the flavours and the... Oh, that's good. Notes, so we won't yeah. say it yet. We won't say it yet. Well, yes, we'll find out that's if fine. what you say compares with the tasting notes. Oh, no pressure. Are you on the same wavelength as Jekus McVicker? I mean, have you ever pondered that question before? Uh, Not until now. Not even in the wildest dreams. Would you like them to smell the... Well, what we do is we... uh, Well, we're going to pour it now. Pour it, yeah, yeah. And what we're going to do is it says on the jingle, so you Lovely won't need... Lovely there, Mr. Cooper. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> as you can find a strainer. That's a proper strainer, that one. <laughs> now, as you know, you don't need any talent, because you heard the... It was all surmised excellent in the jingle. You give it a smell, you give it a drink, and then you will tell us what you think. Um, but first, we need to smell before drinking the tea. Give the tea... I don't really want to smell this tea. <laughs> <laughs> So if you give it a smell, then we'll have a little chat about that, and then we'll rate the smell out of ten. So do you want to pouring the tea now? Oh, I can feel it. It's excellent for a podcast. The audio actuality, the sound effects here. Is this as good as the uh, the show in West Midlands that you were talking about in the seventies? I mean, now I think this is the second favourite show. This is dazzling, leading edge broadcasting. Mm. Mr. Ramson had nothing on this. But talking of which, have you got the bucket of water ready for later? <laughs> oh dear, some uh, some forage has slipped through the sieve. Oh. I apologise. <laughs> I've had to say, it's the first time I've had him say that, but... Uh, <laughs> I've been kind and only done you a little bit. OK, so give it a smell, Grant Benham and Hilary Spencer. Oh, there it is. It's, oh, it's very definitely English, very definitely rural. 
I'm definitely getting leaf mould here. <laughs> How long has this been in your bag for? Yeah. I'm not sure, having gathered the leaves, they didn't actually destroy oh, yeah. the essence of dog in which they came in. <laughs> so yeah. so oh, I guess we can call it hay and straw and Pew. buy a house floor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like sweat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I haven't got the spelling notes, so I've got the tasting notes. Well, I have to say that. Uh, Is there someone to spit it out? <laughs> I mean, it's a very. It's a very personal observation, this, but it, it smells like Czechoslovakia to me. <laughs> You're having a drink, so. Uh, and what are we giving it on smell beforehand? What are we, uh, how would you rate that on smell? Um, Ghastly, darling, yes. <laughs> Out of ten, a number, so we're going for a lower uh, number. Oh, we're going for two and a half on smell. Two and a half? Two and a half is pushing it, I think, rather. Than, uh, <laughs> Actually, this is... taste is, it's a bit like. Oh, oh, I find Getting ahead of the game here with taste, I think. We're doing smell. You're right. Look, you, 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 you can smell it. It smells exactly the same every time you stick your are nose you, in it. <laughs> are you giving it a one, did you say that? No, I'm being generous and giving it a two You're and a half. But two don't two push me, boy. You don't push me. Are you giving it a one, do you say, Grant? Yes. You're giving it a one. That's three and a half out of smell. I've got to really smell because I've got a cold. Well, you lucky boy. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a... No, I'm going to give it a three. It's a bit odd, isn't it? Um, what about you, Mr Hughes? Can you smell anything there? One. What about you, Mr Gurney? Oh, would you... Zero. Zero. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially a four. Okay. Four out of what? Fifty. Four out of fifty, there. Enough. Um, it's time to taste. Yes. No, I've done that. I don't, I don't have to do it again, do I? Is anybody want to? Actually, it's quite refreshing, I think. <laughs> OK, so let me uh, see if I can detect anything. We'll see what we can... Uh, what, what are you getting, Grant? Wax. Please, <laughs> <laughs> mm. wax. Mm. Um, tell you what there is. I, I, there's, there's a really nice tea that I, I have if I've got a funny throat, and that's got licorice and slippery elm. And it's catch. almost, because of the licorice, it's almost aniseedy. It's really, really nice. It's very soothing. There's, it feels like a hint of something similar to the slippery elm in here. Mm. Otherwise, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm enjoying it, but it's, it does taste... I think it's difficult to find distinguishing tastes, personally. So what should we be... Uh... Well, I don't think Mr Cooney's infused it for long enough. Ah, oh, it's this fault. Oh. It'll be lovely otherwise. <laughs> Basically, what we're smelling is a dirty cup that hasn't been washed properly. <laughs> we're not. Jekus McVicker's going to be living about this. <laughs> I mean, listen. It's three to five minutes. What should we be tasting then? And I put I put it in when I went outside the door. I put it in, and when you were doing the jingle. Yeah, that would have probably been long enough. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would have probably been long enough. It's a controversial. It's a controversial statement. Right. Uh, so let's find out. It was Patch in Bristol. Uh, ah, that'll explain a lot. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Looking for. Well, would you like the guests to read them, or perhaps? No, you can. Um, oh, sing them, Hillary. I'm sorry. Sir. To the tune sing. of God Save the Queen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the tune of God Save the Queen. Um, <clears throat> here we go. Number eight, floral
Taking us, the bright floral notes of hawthorn and rose are balanced by smooth leafy nettle and strawberry undertones. Mm. Yeah. Illustrations by I'm getting, I'm getting the strawberry undertones actually. I think. Yeah, they're very yeah. Well, it's the undertones, isn't it? <laughs> and the strobes. Yeah, exactly. That's what the strawberry undertones is a combination of the strobes and the undertones together. <laughs> so the question is, what are we giving it in terms of taste then, uh, Grant? What, what did I give the smell? One. I gave it one. Yeah, same for the taste. One, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm being a little kinder because the taste was preferable to the smell, whereas it was almost tasteless. But I will give it two and a half for blandness and okay. harmlessness. Right. Yeah, <laughs> there is an aggressive blandness there, isn't there? <laughs> we do applaud. Well, I'm going to give it a four. Um, I think it was it was all commercial. Yeah, seven and a half. Four. Sharon, do you want to mark it on my behalf? I've had better, so three. Okay, yeah. ten and a half, and Mr. Cooney finally. Yeah, uh, oh, I'll go five. So it gets fifteen and a half for taste, and it gets a four for smell, giving it a grand total of nineteen and a half. And I think that is probably <laughs> out of a hundred. Yeah, I think that is probably the. Check the price on Amazon as well. I'm going to price it. No, 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 no. Oh, it's just, uh, it's just out of interest because I know everyone's wondering how much is it on Amazon? For a tin that size, it's £7.50. Ah! You see? Now, the thing is, the podcast, the podcast budget. No other providers available. Oh, but it's got to be Jenkins, hasn't it? It's got to be Jenkins Mavica. If you're going to do it, it's got to be Jenkins Mavica. Oh, 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 is it Jenkins Mavica, not Jenkins? Oh, I'll take it back. It's no wonder it's rubbish. Hang on, Dave. You're, you're paying the money for the tin because you can keep other things in it when you've chucked the tea out. But it'll all smell of that leaf <laughs> Or whatever it is, won't it? I know. It's more, it's more than Hillary and Grant again paid for this. That's true! <laughs> we'll have a little, another song, but I think we should um, quickly sort of finish off your story, Grant. So how did you get from the radio to the TV? Oh, just bad luck, really. <laughs> there was a kind of hierarchy in those days. Uh, many will remember a lunchtime BBC programme called Pebble Mill at One, which was a, which was a, a magazine programme in the old-fashioned way, which had live music every day. These days, I mean, if you... Fashions change, don't they? It looked very much like the one show does now, but you, you wouldn't do live music on the one show as an insert. You might, if somebody was pushing an album, you'd do a play out of you know, a band out on the whatever it was, but it was integral to magazine programmes in these days. As, as, as I said, start the week, Radio 4 used to have a light relief thing every week, and sometimes it was me, and sometimes it was uh, Ruby Wax, and sometimes it was the, the, the idea of doing a, a magazine programme without comedy and without music was unheard of. You remember tonight in the 1960s when they had the Cy Grant and Robin Hall and Jimmy McGregor and Lance Percival and all that it's a very serious news programme a hard news item but they always had music well it's like this isn't it we're doing a serious item on herbal tea and then we have a bit of light relief music the kind of contrast exactly so so, yeah that was the that was the way in really there was a way in in those days so what about you Hilary how did you um, get started in folk music because obviously a lot of people will know you from artisan yeah that's their fault um, well, actually, uh, I was trained classically years and years and years and years and years and years ago. I discovered folk clubs about 15 years after I stopped having the lessons. and uh, I was actually down in a, in a cellar. I used to Are you forced into folk music? I, uh, sort of. You were yeah. in a cellar? I was in this club. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I had a little pottery business, and I used to get visited um, by a really sweet 
elderly guy who lived down the road who'd heard about this poor woman stuck down in a basement yeah. somewhere and he, and he was nosy because we're all from Yorkshire and we're all nosy and he came down to say hello and we got chatting he happened to mention that he goes to a folk club every Monday night in the next village oh um, the classic chat up line <laughs> and I said who are what's a folk club and he said oh well we all we all go on a Monday and we all sing songs uh, and, and I stand up and sing these songs that I've written and I said well what happens when you've sung them all and he said well you just do them again you know <laughs> like every fortnight I sing the same song but nobody cares because they all like the song so they all join in and uh, I said oh I'll come down and have a look and I went down and I was I was amazed because they had a band on who were coming in from Sheffield a band called Boule of Vogue right. oh yeah look at that you remember Boule of Vogue three guys uh, who were they weren't full-time musicians as it turned out but uh, and they played a lot of Irish music you know Star of the County Down and all that stuff but I'd never heard these before I had never heard these before. I was fascinated because none of them read music while well, they played, because that's what you do when you do classical, is all this stuff. For the radio, I am holding my hand up as though I am reading a script. Um, <laughs> um, I, I was really impressed. And they all kept changing instruments, you know, the three of them with about seven instruments, and I'm, I'm really impressed with this. I knew JC by this time, and, and said, I went to this folk club, and there were these blokes, you really ought to have them up to the, to the village hall, because uh, they ran little nights to raise money for fixing the hole in the roof of the village hall. And it sort of started from there because JC and I say we both had craft businesses she had a little craft business where she made rag dolls and fisherman smocks and we used to meet on the circuit and one very very wet Sunday afternoon in Buxton Pavilion with no customers but a very interesting floor show of Scottish dwarncers and a chap with a keyboard that played bossa nova music <laughs> and, and played yellow bird and things like that and we sort of hummed along in harmony and said oh that was nice and I sort of got talking about music that we liked and, I, and folk music and I said I've got an album and she said oh what is it I said it's all around my hat by a group called Steel Ice Band and she said I've got that I said there's a really good song on it and she said oh yes it was Kadri Phantom of course and she, she went la 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 I said no no it don't go like that it goes la 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 no she said it doesn't it goes la 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 so we sang it together and it fitted. And the rest is history, because we'd each picked out a different harmony off the melodies, you see. And yes, it's all that. It's all its fault there, she said. And then she said, my husband's musical. And I thought, oh, good. <laughs> Gooseberry again, you know. And Brian taught um, infants and played guitar, chunk 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 guitar for them at the assemblies and harvest festivals and things, and made up little sort of funny songs for them. And we said, come on, Brian, we can do that, because we wanted to raise more money for the village hall. And uh, we got together doing that. And we first played with the guitar, but the, we found the guitar too limiting. You always ended up playing in the key of guitar. <laughs> and uh, so, <laughs> and we, we found our own ranges after a while. You know, I started singing in the range I'd been trained in, which would peel the ceiling paper off this room. And Brian it's good been, for the village hall, though, if you didn't <laughs> It doesn't do very much for blending. Oh, no. Um, Brian had been tra uh, trained as a bass baritone at um, teacher training college. Um, Jason sang in the bath. Um, but so the audience loved that. It was <laughs> the best way. Some of the best gigs. Oh, the best. There's a DVD if you're interested. Come and see me. I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> so we started like that, and then you know, as got, you know, we got asked to go to other clubs to uh, to sing for them. We went round other folk clubs to advertise the village all nights, and it went on from there like topsy. It grew very largely, and we discovered that apparently people didn't sing the way we did. But that was because at the time we'd never heard of the water songs. <coughs> 
Uh, we've never heard of Martin Carthur. Oh, Martin Carthur I'd heard of because he'd been on the television. That was the, uh, the extent of my folk experience. And it went on from there. We just sang what we liked. And then we thought, when we realised that because people kept, uh, if we sang traditional songs, people would say, oh, you can't do it like that because the Watersons do it like that. Uh, or, oh, you can't do it like that because the Watersons don't do it like that. <laughs> and we kept getting compared to the Watersons, which is like chalk and cheese in any respect, you know, but it's, it's unfair. To, you, you, you wouldn't compare Roy Bailey to Vin Garber, would you? So why, why would you compare us to another group just because none of us play instruments while we sing? Um, so we had to, sort of, out of self-defence, we got Brian writing stuff that nobody else was doing, and it went on from there, and Brian kind of got the uh, a liking for this, and we ended up, more or less, singing all Brian's material right through the career. Towards the, uh, the end of that time, I'd met up with Grant, because Grant came and did me a, a huge favour, because I, I'd, I'd brought out a solo album album in the late 90s with a lovely friend called George Norris who's a wonderful guitarist There's Can a problem here, it's not a solo album if you're doing it with someone else Oh, it's a, it's a bit of backing Occasionally I was singing all the songs that I knew Artisan had never sing you know, all the, all the things that I really wanted to have a crack at and George was accompanying me but he'd got a full time day job and he wasn't able to come on half the gigs that I'd arranged and on the second album we were launching it with a big concert and on the Tuesday before the Saturday George phoned me and said you're not going to believe this but I can't make the concert you know this work's coming and I can't do it so I'm, I'm left with this big launch concert and no guitarist. And I was, uh, Mike and I, my husband Mike, and I was staying with uh, friends down in Malvern, and Marilyn Middleton Pollock, wonderful little American jazz blues folky singer, and her husband Steve, who is an amazing jazz clarinetist. We were staying with them and I'm saying, I don't want to know what I'm going to do, George, can't make the concert on Saturday and I'm stuffed. And she said, oh, Grant will do it, because they were playing, she was playing with Grant in a little trio called It's the Girl. And I said, oh, I can't ask him to come and do that. He's famous. I can't ask him to come. Because <laughs> I'm old enough to remember that's life, you see. And uh, I said, he can't, I can't do that. He, he won't want to come and do that. She says, oh, Grant will play for anybody. He really loves playing. <laughs> and she's on the phone. He's on the phone. She goes, hey, Grant, I've got a really great idea. And, and she's telling him about this. And I can hear this little voice on the end. She says, here you go. <laughs> and I said, oh, hello. And, and Grant says, hello, what, uh, what, what's all this about? And uh, he says, okie dokie, he says, uh, send me an album and I'll see you on Saturday. <laughs> and on the Saturday we met in the pub car park. This <laughs> so um, is we wanted pain. Yeah. didn't have to do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> before the gig, before the gig. And uh, he started playing and he didn't even have a capo. And I thought, oh, I'm up the duff here. I've really had it now. No capo even, what am I going to do? And it was absolutely magic. It was wonderful. It would just happen, and it was the best concert I've ever done. And at the end of the, of the evening, we said, you know, we could do this. I know George won't mind, because he, he's really, he can't do it like this anymore. And I said, but yeah, but not me singing and you just accompanying, because it's not going to be that kind of partnership, you know. Can we do this? We said, yeah, let's give it a go. So almost the day after, I was away for six weeks with Artisan in uh, America and Canada. But when I came back, there's an answer phone message saying, hello, it's Grant. I just wondered if there's any work, because I like work. <laughs> so we were here working. Excellent. <laughs> so, so, I think. 
we should hear some of that <clears throat> magic that you referred to now. And I think, are you going to do the one we were talking about? I'm afraid we might. Oh, this is excellent. And this goodness knows, so I was going to say, I'm going to tinx you because I was going to say, goodness knows how you remember all these words. But uh, we'll I see. agree. <laughs> <laughs> I have to stand up for this. I am standing up now. Yes. <laughs> okay, this is the, uh, the Blue Lagoon Cafe. Shakes that fanny like a grand one day. Slaps that bass all round the place at the Blue Lagoon Cafe, where the frying dishes play. When the dawn comes up, you'll wonder how you grew. 
Five minutes because yeah. it is quite formulaic that one, isn't it? it? Is. Yeah. <laughs> How on earth did you come up with something like that, Grant? Guitar, the guitar wrote it. I play, I play guitar in a mad way, always with a drop D bass. Instead of going like that, it always goes like this. And that's because I can't do a. This doesn't work on radio, but I can't do a proper bar <laughs> with my left hand. But I can do two, three finger bars for the <laughs> for the radio. I'm playing that with two, with two yeah. fingers, both with flattened pads on them. So again, for the listeners, there will be supplementary diagrams yeah. uh, <laughs> on the website. Uh, but the crack is that literally <laughs> two fingers waggling around doing nothing, and um, also means that you can play um, the third in the bass of a seven chord with your thumb. This is great radio, isn't it? But, <laughs> <laughs> but that started off as a little instrumental just to demonstrate that quirk of... That little walking yeah. bass thing. And I've just put a tune over that. And then, like I always do when I finish an instrumental, I stupidly thought to myself, that might make a good song. <laughs> I, I, I remember precisely the circumstances because we were staying up with Dave Goulder and I said to I said to in the far north of Scotland, that's Ooh. right. And uh, yes, the reason why this turned into a song is lost in the mists of Glen. Fiddick, I think it was. <laughs> so, <laughs> Not so much a fever dream as a whiskey dream. Yeah. <laughs> and it just growed like topsy. Before we uh, conclude, we should uh, probably hear about some. One thing we like to talk about is sort of gig memories. Maybe the most, one of the most surreal, or even the most horrible gig. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you a horrible story. All right, this is a horrible story. Right, it's a horrible story, but it ends happy. Okay, and this is recent. We were playing a playing a gig. Mm, all right, Cornwall. I'll narrow it down down there, and we were staying we, uh, staying with the organisers of this gig. <laughs> I just remembered the story. <laughs> so you will know it ends happy. All right, but it's a horrible story. Um, I have I have bad knees. I have to take loads of drugs for them, including laxatives. Okay, and I was just changed the regime and wondered if I got, got on top of these laxatives. And as I say, we're staying with the organisers of this club in a beautiful, beautiful Cornish house. A showpiece, really. I mean, beautiful. And then when we went up to the rooms, the rooms were all laid out with the, um, the towels wrapped with a little satin ribbon and, you know, individual soaps on the... And really, really, really perfect. So I climbed into bed and uh, slept the sleep of the... Slept the sleep of the old man, actually, which means that I'm up about twice a night for the usual reasons that I'll make it all the rest of it. I woke about four in the morning, went, oh, right, there we go. Trot across the corridor, enter the, into the loo, do the little bit of business there. Oh, nearly missed that one, never mind. <laughs> Back to the bed, lifted up the duvet on the bed, and the whole bed was brown. Oh. Streaked brown. Jesus Christ, what do we do? I mean, and it wasn't, wasn't just a little... Pardon me, it wasn't just a little fart and follow through. It was, like, 
this was this was streaked up the up the walls. It was all every ladies and gentlemen. You would not believe the damage that a complimentary after eight mints can do. <laughs> Sleep on it and roll in it hard enough. You go come on over here. Oh, thank goodness, because I was, I was hoping, uh, I was, I was, always, I was uh, worrying that because you'd said, it, I first I thought you would meant you'd had that because you'd had an after it been rather than being after it. Like, and I was thinking we've just given you herbal tea, goodness, all that's about to do. No, the worst, the worst part was when he was telling me in the morning, and and it got to the point where he said, I, I, I had to sniff it. <laughs> Well, at least you didn't decide to taste it, I mean. And it was chocolate! <laughs> you gave it a smell, you gave it a drink. Oh, my goodness. What about you, Hilary, in terms of... Nothing uh, like that at all! In terms of... <laughs> In terms of gigs, either with, you, with Grant um, or with Artisan, has there been anything that's the, just been surreal? There, uh, there, was, there was one very um, <laughs> uh, sad little occasion. It was very early on with Artisan. We were doing a gig uh, down, again, in the, uh, naming no names, in the south-east of England. It was in a, a big pub, which usually accommodated the guests. But apparently, the, the previous two guests had said, no, thank you, uh, we're not going to take the accommodation. But they hadn't done it before. They'd waited until the night. So the landlord of the pub was spitting feathers because he could have obviously rented the rooms otherwise. So he said, it's like, right, I'm not doing that anymore. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not putting people up anymore. You can, they can find their own way. So the three of us polled in to this gig to find that there was no accommodation and we didn't know anybody in the area because folks do tend to have safe houses, you know, which is another story. But we knew nobody in this area. So the organiser set up this Roman auction, put us on stage and said to the audience, can anybody take these people tonight? <laughs> you know, good teeth, you know. <laughs> and a little hand went up at the back saying, will I do it? <laughs> oh, thank you ever so much. So we followed these people to their home and they said, I have to warn you, it's a building site. And then the people say that if they've left all the newspapers all over the settee, you know. <laughs> and we got there and, and it was a building site. <laughs> so they went in, she opened the door as we went in to the uh, door to the right and said to um, Jason Bryant, who's, who's, who's the married couple? And they went, oh, and said, you're in there. And then she uh, went into the living room, which was covered in rubble and brick dust. <laughs> I am not joking, rubble and brick dust. And one of those lovely chimney pots that you put plants in in your garden was oh, yeah. about that far from the settee. And she said, will you be all right on there to me? Well, I'm, I'm used to getting settees, but... You know, a settee without the brick dust and with a blanket or a pillow or something would be really nice, you know. Well, I'd got a, a sleeping bag in the van, as we had for emergencies, and a pillow. So I went back to the van and got those. And I'm like, Grant, you know, I'm, I've been up five times last night because I had all that water when I was singing and I thought, I'm going to regret this later on. You know, and so I'm, I'm, I'm a night trotter to the loop. But I couldn't put my feet on the floor. You know when you wake up and you're bursting and you're not sure where the loo is because you're in a strange house and now you find you can't walk on the floor and you've got to find your shoes? <laughs> so I was, I was tottering around in the night. Did this two or three times. And then in the morning, because what I hadn't noticed was that the back of the settee was absolutely covered in little kids' knickers and, and vests and things. You know. <laughs> and in the morning, there was this like, blum, 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 this thunder of hooves down the stairs. And all these kids going, and fighting over the knickers on the back of the settee. And the, this lady comes in and says, shut up, the lady's sleeping. <laughs> I shall remember this if I ever write a book. <laughs> 
and they were so sweet and I thought yeah they were the only people in the whole room who'd say yes we'll take them oh, so I've yeah. fair dues to them you know and they did warn us <laughs> before we go I wonder if there is like a, a very tiny little something that you can give us as a farewell because it would sort of be a bit of a shame to say goodbye and then that's it so is there anything at all okay, I know I've kind of I'll leave this it upon to you. my um, my companion right des yeux qui font baisser les miens un rire qui se prend sur le bout voilà le portrait sans retouche l'homme Auquel j'abandonne Quand il me prend dans ses bras Il me parle tout bas Je vois la vie en rose Il me dit des mots d'amour Des mots de tous les jours Et ça me fait quelque chose Il est entré dans mon cœur Une part de bonheur C'est lui pour moi, moi pour lui dans la vie. Il me l'a dit, la journée pour la vie. Et dès que je l'aperçois, alors je sens en moi mon cœur qui bat.
absolutely fantastic. We tell you what, we weren't going to pay you, but I'll tell you what we are, and I'll tell you what, you get to keep the uh, the Jenkers tea. You get, you get that. Now, you have to share it, there's only one tin, so you can, you can find that out amongst the two of you. Ladies and gentlemen, Grant and Hillary Quicksilver! Thank you very much to Quicksilver for their music and their anecdotes and apologies to Checkers McVicker. <laughs> I assume you worked out why we've called this week's Youngest Podcast the erotic dance of the rolling pin because that is one of the lines from the excellent Blue Lagoon Cafe. When I first heard them perform that, I remember I used to just be walking down the street and I would just sing it. I forget that I was walking down a street and I'd just be singing the words under my breath and then it got to that bit, the erotic dance of the rolling pin and I'd sort of sing it a lot louder than the other bits in kind of in a triumphant voice and then I'd remember, oh bloody hell, I'm walking down the street. <laughs> There's a few times that I'd be walking with someone just going the erotic dance of the rolling pin and someone would just go sorry and go, oh oh sorry I had to try and explain why I just suddenly shouted the erotic dance of the rolling pin come on children move away from the man anyway thank you very much for listening we'll be back next week with another young'uns podcast until then take it easy don't get it twisted goodbye <laughs>